I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs! For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer, and the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us again. We continue to record weekly through the offseason in hopes, in hopes that we have a football season early and on time, and we will talk about maybe the chances of that being more slim than we had uh, hoped, uh, and we'll get into that in a bit. You can follow the, the podcast on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio. And you can subscribe to the podcast on any podcast catcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. And we're going to open up with something that we had talked about last week and wanted to just press pause on this because, um, because it gets into um, issues of race and politics and, um, and just the state of college football and how those things intermix. But, but we really think it's an important story. And on the podcast, we have avoided talking uh, politics because there are other podcasts there are people that know things more than we do on that front um, but there are certain instances where these mix and that happened uh, about a week and a half ago when two things broke the first Morgan Scally the defensive coordinator of Utah was reported to have used a racial slur in a text message to um, a, that was sent on accident to a recruit and he was put on suspension by the University of Utah. Kyle Whittingham uh, sent out a statement. Morgan Scally acknowledged that the text had happened. And then there's more uh, to report on after that. And the second thing was a uh, redshirt tight end out of Oregon State had uh, recorded something that leaked onto Twitter that was basically a two-minute uh, rant full of racial slurs. And um, just, just it, it, it's bad. And he was immediately dismissed from the team. And I want to talk first about Scali because it has a bigger impact on uh, not just the University of Utah, but the Pac-12 in general and coaching and the kind of the power structure. And it'll be interesting to see where this develops. Throw it to you first, Max. Um, the story comes out. What comes to mind for you and what impact is that going to have on, on Utah? Well, I mean, I, I just want to read as much as possible just because I think having one instance that Scally should still get reprimanded. But when the uh, second Utah player came out on Twitter, uh, defensive back, I'm blanking on his first name, but his last name was Lacey. And there were multiple instances of, or multiple people saying that Scally used that word. I, I it, It's just really reprehensible behavior. And I didn't get a chance to read the athletic piece yet, um, which uh, I'm sure shined uh, a light even more on the issue. But yeah, I mean, you, you just, it, it, and, and it's not, it's not just happening in Utah. I mean, I, I was facing uh, issues with its longtime strength and conditioning coach. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's a rough situation um, for the program. 
but I, I think that there needs to be action done if if it turns out that these instances were proven true. Yeah, it was really um, the story was it broke again about a week and a half ago, and now there isn't an official story of what exactly happened, but there is a number of um, a number of people that are with uh, in the know. And like, this is kind of the thing that has come out from multiple people that, and it sounds like Scally had received a text message from a coach who was an African-American that had asked him if he had recruited um, players in a specific state. And he responded um, using the N word is what is speculated and accidentally sent it to again, a player. And instead of the coach, and that player still committed to Utah and is backing Morgan Scally has come out in support of him. Uh, and it, it will be, like, I think it'll, the athletic piece is really, I think kind of dives in heavily to this. And Rob, I know you've read it. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, the thing that I got out of um, kind of seeing the statements that have come out in regards to Scally and, and even the athletic, I just, I think it's going to be a decision that's made by the team as much as it is Kyle Whittingham. And I think he probably stays. And, uh, and I, I, there's things that I want to talk about. If he stays, like there needs to be systematic change that goes with that. Um, but do you want to get in a little bit to the athletic piece and what that highlighted? Because I, I read it a little bit differently from you. I know that you had saw it and said, I'm not sure how he stays. I saw it as, if that's the like I, I was we we held pause on this because I was wondering if another shoe was going to drop or if there's going to be more reporting that came out. And it seems like that might be it. Um, and this is somebody that's been with a program for a long time. If he's been with Whittingham for 10 years and if this team comes out and says, all right, like, I mean, this is a problem and you need to fix this problem. That seems to me like the most likely scenario. But what did you think about the piece and what do you think about his chances of staying in Salt Lake? No, and you're you're right to highlight that like the way the way like and maybe it was before we started recording, but the the way we deal with these things in sports and the way that um, <laughs> I would that your HR department at a corporation is going to deal with them are quite different. Um, and uh, the 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 I think the thing that really shines out to me in the athletic piece is that I, I think a lot of the players are are willing to give him a second chance. Right. A lot of the African-American black players who are who have, you know, dealt with him, been coached by him, um, have a generally positive impression of him. Um, and a lot of what they highlight is that his, his skills, particularly as a coach. But you cannot read that piece and come not come away with the without the constantly repeated, constantly repeated assertion that by the players and, and enough of them have asserted it that you you should you should listen that he treated and spoke to white and black players differently right like that 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 comes out and comes through in the piece and and some of it is that i know a lot of black players felt that he treated lds players differently um and that they were given chances that they they would themselves have never gotten um I, I said like Scally may survive this. I just, I, if you, if it came, if you were, if you said the N word in a corporate at work, in a corporate setting, I mean, you'd be fired on the spot, but if you on top of it, then if in an investigation into it, 
it was found that you treated your your employees differently by race. And that consistently came up. Even if people were willing to say that they liked you as a person or as a boss, that'd be it for you, right? Like there, there's no coming back from that at that current job. And that's what I, I guess I just sort of, when I read it, I thought, oh, your, your, his goose should be cooked then because, you know, it's, you know, if, if, if that is the case, if you have enough of your former players lining up and saying like, um, you know, he treated us, he treated us quite differently, that, that there was a different expectation of how he was going to handle folks based on their race. That's a, that is a very serious allegation. And I, I, I but I also think that what, what is going to end up saving him here probably is the lot of them that, that, that a lot of them seem to out of, out of a far more genuine kindness of their hearts than I probably would be able to think I would be able to muster are, are genuinely for genuinely forgiving towards him for, for his genuine misdeeds. The, the quotes in the story, it's a lot of like, m- like more than I, mean, I want to say four examples of, um, I don't believe he's a racist. Um, I like him. Um, I think, uh, I think he uh, has treated me in a way um, most of the time. But like, there's and then there's that but, and, right, and, and there's it's, always a but with him. <laughs> and it's exactly what what you mentioned, Rob. It was, um, but it was a lot of like he wasn't listening. That's kind of what jumped out to me in that story. And it'll be interesting to see if they decide to pull the trigger on him or not. And it'll be a decision that hopefully is made by the players um, in addition to winning him and not winning him in the athletic department alone. If they're if, if all if these things come out, which are true. And these are all people that went on the record. That's kind of why I wanted to hold off, because the, like literally players coming out and talking to a reporter on the record about what uh, they faced while they were there at the program. One of the things that jumps out to me also is the uh, like you mentioned in terms of a corporate atmosphere if your coworker says something like that they're gone if you say something like that you're gone if you are a manager if you are a leader of people and you say something that is not even like take race aside if you say something that is insensitive um, to somebody that you are wh- whose livelihood is dependent on your decisions that is a problem with power and i think one of the things that hopefully comes out of not just this but Iowa and Clemson and, and anywhere else where this pops up is it's clear that athletic departments operate on different rules in a different plane than the rest of basically the rest of the country where you have coaches that have over and over and over um, exerted more power over players whom are not paid and who are asked to do things that um, are injured their bodies and um, and are asked to sacrifice time um, for a scholarship and I'm I'm hoping that if Scally returns, there are a lot of buts to that, and and the biggest one being um, a a major change in how that coaching staff and not just Scally but the entire coaching staff listens to players and treats players and and changes the way that they are operating. And I'll use Arizona as an example. It's very different. There isn't a racial um, component to this that has come out. Um, University of Arizona and Rich Rodriguez had major issues with uh, transparency and the way that that program was run and sexual harassment. And I mean, just, just look up the stories. It's awful. And uh, one of the, the biggest things that would have been helpful for that program was to hire a coach that was willing to open up the program so that 
um, there was transparency. And they doubled down, Rob. They went with Kevin Sumlin, who like who does not let anybody access that program. Like, the, like the the system did not change even after all this stuff. It cost you a six million dollar buyout for this man, and then you double down on not allowing people to to see that that program. And again, different plane, but more just on the level of. Where, where power is and how things are operated in athletic departments across the country. And does that make sense, Max? Am I over like over analyzing that? It, it just seems like hopefully this accelerates uh, change, not just at Utah, but everywhere. At, at least I'm a little pessimistic about these schools making major change. Um, but then again, at least with, um, with the murder of George Floyd, I, I just think that this country as a whole has adopted a different mindset um, than other uh, police brutality killings in the past. And so maybe um, given the change of the times that colleges uh, might make the more um, aggressive decision with uh, parting ways with the coach. And so we'll see, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Rob, do you have anything else to add at this point? I mean, we'll talk about the impact of Scally leaving if he does on Utah. That's definitely a question we want to answer. But anything else on the on the current situation? I know I just talked about Arizona um, and the issues that are there. I mean, like it's just great. Think of all the all the problems with that program from the basketball and football standpoint, and like zero change at all, <laughs> like none whatsoever. And it just seems like. Everything that's happened right now, whether it's the the COVID or um, the the protests in the street, it just seems like there's an acceleration button that's been pushed on a lot of trends that were emerging anyway. And this, I'm hoping this is one of them, which is way too much power with the athletic departments, way too much power with the coaches, and we're pushing these these. I love college football. I I, I think the amateur portion of college football makes it special. I still think, with all that said, I think these players should be paid. I think it's crazy that. Um, they've been in a position where they're just so sub- like they they just are so reliant on coaches that have like that are j- a lot of them are just assholes. <laughs> they just are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping that stuff changes. No, I mean, I think I mean, I think that there are still legitimate questions for Whittingham about why one of his assistant coaches was texting another assistant coach using the N word. I mean, I, I think that's a legitimate question about the program that you run because it's your job to set the culture in the program you know and Whittingham needs to make sure I mean the fact that that's happening like if one of my employees texted another employee that I would be in some (laughs) I'd be having some conversations with HR (laughs) some unfortunate conversations with HR um you know like and I'm not saying that like Whittingham should you know be, you know, be dismissed or anything over it. But I think that Whittingham, you know, has to have a look in the mirror. And I think that that, that athletic piece also should, you know, give him some, you know, some pause on, on its own for himself, because all of that happened under his watch. Um, but I do want to pivot to, cause I, I do want to talk like, because I, my personal opinion on this is that I think for Utah with the athletic piece and what was said, you know, that he acknowledged that email, I think it might actually be better to cut ties with him. Um, because I think that the negative recruiting is going to, I mean, I think that the other part about this, that the part where accountability comes in is, is, and this is good. This would get used against you no matter what, but I mean, the negative recruiting for Utah, uh, I think, I think people underestimate how that's going to go. Do you want to have that, this, which reinforces some of those stereotypes that people might have about Utah there? Like you, 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 it might behoove the Utes to move on already. 
if he does, Max, what's the what's the impact that Scally's departure has on the program? Um, I'm gonna like this is more of an X's and O's question. Obviously, a very good defensive coordinator. We just talked about him about two weeks ago. Um, it seemed as if he was the coach in waiting at the University of Utah. Obviously, Whittingham. I don't know how old he is. He looks great. He looks like he's 40, by the way. <laughs> it's probably, he's got great calves. He's got beautiful calves. Um, <laughs> and But but the idea, at least in my mind, and, and as we talked with our friends at the Utah Man Podcast and a couple other places, it seems like he was kind of the, the next in line there. He departs. I do think Utah has um, a, a reputation uh, as a great developer of talent. Um, it has a reputation on the defensive side of the football, and now it it is late in the game. But if there was a school in the Pac-12 outside of like the top three, you know, your Washington, Oregon, and, and USC, that I think would be able to attack uh, attract a really solid defensive coordinator, I think it would be Utah. I don't know. What, what do you think about the impact if he if he ends up uh, leaving the city? Well, so short-term impact is, I mean, Utah's already replaced, has to replace a ton on its defense that it lost player-wise. And the one or one aspect that could lead to optimism for that unit is that the entire coaching staff is back. And like you said, they're, they're so great at developing talent uh, and production that you, you just, it, you expect Utah's defense to be good every single year, pretty much. Um, and but if you lose Scally, you lose a huge chunk of of that coaching staff on, on the defensive staff. And so, yeah, and between the loss of production on the player side and Scally, that would be a huge blow for the defense. And that would be really tough for Whittingham and Co to recover uh, long term. I mean, like you were saying, like Scally was the coach in waiting. So while you wouldn't have th- that surefire next in line guy waiting necessarily. I still think Whittingham runs a really tight ship and that they'd be able to find someone uh, within that coaching staff to replace him when that time comes. I I just think that he's a a really good CEO and that he'll be able to find his replacement. What do you think, Rob? I think it's definitely a loss because it's, even if you're, you know, you're keeping most of the the staff intact and keeping the scheme intact, I mean, you know, like a, a play calling is a skill and now you have some uncertainty of the play caller. Um, and, and he's been a really good one for them, um, for sure. I, I, I think it would, I mean, if, if anything, it would give you far more assurance of USC on, on top of the South <laughs> coming into the year. Um, and maybe, maybe even, you know, nudge, nudge the youths closer to the sun, you know, they're, you know, might even them out with where the sun devils are this season. Um, I, I, I mean, I think the defense would, would struggle. I, I, I think they might. I, I think Whittingham would, in that case, would be wise to have like an interim promotion um, and then, you know, like try to make a full time hire um, later on. Uh, although they, they, the youths have often, although it, it sort of went through a revolving door at OC before hiring somebody outside on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, it's uh, it's been a little bit more like promote from within. So um, they, they may have somebody that they're ready to, to test out giving play calling duties to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to have that brand and have that just, like, insane track record of developing talent and getting players that were three stars into the NFL. And 
man, you don't see as much of that around the Pac-12. Uh, I think Utah really shines on that front. Hey, so we just talked about, you know, like forcing kids to play when COVID is, is still out there and players and, and the staffs are returning to camp this week, which is freaking bonkers and a story that we didn't really talk about. Like I, in my mind, I saw that as July or August, like for whatever reason in, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, that, that's like a month later. No, no, it's like this week. We're going to talk about that and the impact that that will, that could have in a couple uh, news pieces that came out of other programs that have gotten back together and we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, we're back. And your team is probably back on campus and I don't know what to think about that, Rob. That seems pretty soon. Um, and, and obviously, like, there's been a couple stories about plans that coaches have and how to social distance and all this stuff. But my goodness, it, like, I want football as, as much as anybody. I have just, in my mind, have said, we're going to have football in 2021, like at the beginning of the year. That's just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it, like, there, I've, it's not based on any evidence aside from the fact that, like, things are on the rise in terms of the number of people that are that are getting the virus and um like the report out of i think it was oklahoma state where was it like six people got covid like immediately when the team went back and i'm not laughing like you know I ho hopefully everybody's fine and um i'm more just uh you know like the first time somebody jumped on this there was an issue and it seems like more stories like this are popping up and i think man i i just feel like it's gonna push back the start date for football i mean i uh, i mean we I feel like we've talked about this, if not, I rambled on about this on Twitter. Like we were probably over extrapolating based on the period right after the lockdowns at East, right? Like you, if you, I mean, that's what's like two weeks ago. <laughs> feels like forever ago, but I mean, you remember all the all the pressure and optimism, and I mean, like every conference was announcing there, like we're going to be back here and we're going to be back there, and maybe it was as much as three, you know, three or four weeks ago, but you know, like a, a lot of conferences were announcing, like we're going to be back earlier, a lot earlier than expected, starting a lot earlier than expected, and man, what a difference time makes because now um, we are starting to like I, I, you know, the the real thing is like we hadn't seen what 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 people how seriously people were going to take it after the lockdowns were eased and also like what it, what would it look like right and do we need to adjust and in a lot of places um it sure looks like we need to adjust how our approach is going right i mean uh and some of the things that people thought like people said oh the heat's really gonna help and uh oh boy like there's a lot of warm states that are having a bad time right now <laughs> I didn't say that for the record, but um, I think that there's, uh, I do think that there's, I, I think we, this, I do have more concerns. I mean, there's, um, you know, the, the University of Houston, I, I believe shut down their sort of uh, restarting of things after they had six athletes across different sports test positive. 
Um, and you're going to have some, like some of these are going to be false positives. Like if you're talking about like a thousand, you know, athletes or so, I mean, not really a thousand, but a thousand people coming back across an athletic department or like, you know, you are, you know, you have six positives, you know, there's a good chance that some of those are false positives, but the trouble is that there's also some false negatives that ran through, um, as well. And that's where the, you know, like the, the most recent case of, and, and, um, the case where uh, from Fort Benning, um, where one of the army recruiting classes came in, their initial tests on the recruits as they came in found four individuals who were positive. Um, and two weeks later, 22% of the class was had tested positive for COVID. Um, and most of those they believe were infected by folks that were missed on the first round of testing. Um, so it's, uh, it's, Definitely. I mean, that kind of thing, you know, I don't, you know, football, football camps and, and football uh, are not necessarily as exactly um, as interpersonally close as uh, going through boot camp are, but <laughs> like going and using all the same gym equipment. I mean, that kind of thing. Um, I, I like, I, I, I'm a little, I'm more, I'm far more concerned than I was. Um, and we haven't even started really yet. Um you know, and the, but the most of the Pac-12, I believe, is back this week. What do you think, Max? Are you optimistic that we get a season that starts on time? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say the same answer I'm saying. I, I still, I don't know. Yeah. Just because, I mean, there are definitely there are multiple states uh, whose numbers are rising. But I mean, if if you would have told me even a month ago that like New York is, it, it's like New York is one of the states that's actually on the is in pretty decent shape. And so I just don't know what to expect month to month, whether if there will be another spike in New York, whether these spikes in Florida, Texas, Arizona, how long those are going to last. It's just, it's so hard to play that guessing game in a situation that we've never dealt with before. Yeah. That Rutgers football is going to win the big 10 this year. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) They're going to come in 20 pounds stronger than everybody else because they use the weight room. Um, Okay, well, we'll stop. We'll stop there. Um, we'll kind of keep an eye on this. I don't want this to be a podcast where we're just con- like consistently speculating on whether or not um, we're going to have a football season or not. Like again, we've we've this this is two podcasts in a row where we've touched on a little bit, um, and we'll kind of keep back to the X's and O's and the the play- players that are coming to each program and all that stuff. I wanted to take some time today to talk about the uh, not, like not just the podcast, but like. The, the writers, the people in the Pac-12 that we're reading that we found to be really helpful. Because I think it'll, it's an interesting conversation. It also sheds some light into the people that are doing really good work throughout the conference. Um, one of the things that we do every year is we go team by team. We like do full depth charts, coaching changes, impact on the schools, possible recruits. And there's some really, really good people on each for each team that are reporting that, that we're taking it from. And um, we, we do try to like every time make sure that we're citing them and, and giving them uh, the attention they deserve. But I want to have a full conversation about that on some of the best voices that if you're a Pac-12 fan that you should probably be listening to or reading or, or just kind of keeping up with and following on Twitter because they just continuously bring out good stuff. So Rob, let me start with you. Who uh, Who's on your radar and who, do, who should people in the Pac-12 uh, that are listening to this podcast, who should they be listening to and tuning into? I mean, there's like the Pac-12 is interesting because there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, I would recommend, and I, I mean, there's even some that there there are some that I find obnoxious sometimes, <laughs> and some of them have like really 
like views on football that I don't necessarily agree, you know, like that you have to establish the run or something like that. Um, but uh, I would, I mean, I follow every beat writer for the major paper that, you know, in an area that covers a PAC 12 team. Um, and that's really helpful, right? Like those, that's where most of the stories that are going to come from. That's where a lot of like, even the stories that, you know, the fans, um, you know, are going to tweet out or, you know, are going to, are, are going to generate from a lot of the stories that like might get picked up by some of the, the blog type sites, even though some of them do generate their own stories now, um, are going to generate from those, those places as well. I mean, that's they, you know, if you have a, you know, full-time staffer, you know, slated to cover Oregon State sports, like that might that might be one of the the handful of folks that are really <laughs> there to cover the Beavers as their job. Um, you know, so I would recommend. I mean, that's I would recommend that to start. Um, the Athletic also covers. Um, I mean, and I think they have someone assigned to most of the teams in the conference. They don't have um, UCLA. So, I just learned that today because uh, I have a. They don't. Subscri- no, they don't. Because no one, no one actually is a UCLA fan. Well, so <laughs> so fans. more of that. So UCLA has not updated, and and this is freaking all in Chip Kelly, by the way. UCLA has not updated its roster for 2020. I think every other school does. So I was trying to like look up. We're going into defensive line <laughs> next week, um, and not and it, it, we're they're still at 2019. Um, they have the 2020 spring enrollees, but it's. <laughs> like why why have somebody cover the program if, if the coach himself doesn't give a crap about said program i don't know i just thought that was crazy um well i, I mean but they the athletic also got some folks who i think are um like i would say doug Haler. i might be mispronouncing that i have no idea how it's but it might be holler anyway he covers arizona state um he was a longtime beat writer for uh the sun devils um at, the sun i think right whatever the phoenix yeah. paper was yeah yeah whatever the whatever the big phoenix i used to live in phoenix this is embarrassing um but anyway he i think he does a good job and because he's been around the conference so long i think he does a really good job covering you know covering out and, and answering questions about the conference as well i think the utah writer for um the athletic i mean who i we referenced his article uh, on scally which i thought was very well done and very fair um, I, I think, uh, it's Chris Karami. I think he does a really good job. Um, and I think the, um, I actually, I really like the, uh, Josh Furlong too. And, and you really like the Deseret, I mean, I'm like stealing your thunder here, but I, I think the I think most of the folks that cover football in Salt Lake actually do a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, well, just, just to add on to that, I, because so again, like we do research real early in in the spring yeah. like before most people probably it's just us and hiffle day probably are like the two people that are doing yeah. and it, like i kid you not like january 1st um not even january 1st like uh, i would say a february 1st like full full roster breakdowns with depth charts and everything from every single utah outlet from the desert news yeah. to like the salt lake city tribune like it is it is really impressive how, how they cover that program there but i'm sorry go ahead um, I like Michael Lev. I'm sorry. Like I like because I used to I used to do the the Dwell Pack Radio Twitter. Like I I I'm still subscribed to like nearly like I still follow like nearly everyone around the conference. I like Michael Lev because partly because he covers the Wildcats, uh, but also because he used to cover USC for the Orange County Register, and he's been around the conference a really long time too. Um, I like John Wilner for his uh, his his look at the Pac-12 business side of things. I'm not madly in love with his football opinions. 
And then I like, so there's also some folks that like I interact with around the conference. Like I like the guys uh, that, that sort of came together, but like the bound down to Washington site, like they're kind of like, they're they're They are like, they bleed purple. Um, but they're also not like, not so crazy on things that like, they don't, they're not, like they are able to be critical of Washington, um, and and they also have like they they also actually for the most part really know their football, um, and then I mean we the guys that we interact with of course Hippoday, and then there's a guy that writes for Scoop Duck that also like that, you know that I also think does a really good job around the conference, and then you know the usual like you know, the, like the Alicia Daratolas like the you know around the conference, but you like, you, national... you just yada 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 Alicia Daratola. I'm I'm offended, sir. No, no, <laughs> like because I was like you guys like, I'm, <laughs> like I I feel like I, I feel like I actually went through like way too many people that I really like, but there are like there's there's, there's some really quality writers around the Pac-12. Yeah. Hey, so so Max, you you cover the gambling side of this, and you cut your teeth at USC. Um, you've always been a follower of the Pac-12. What what are some like resources that you use in terms of approaching this from a gambling standpoint? Also, Rob, you mentioned all those people. You didn't even say Scott Wolf. Unbelievable. Sorry. I, <laughs> I'll never. <laughs> Rob, Rob gave an Oscar speech where he's just thanking everybody. I did. I know. I was. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, for me, like a lot of the, like, I also think that there's like, there, there's good people that cover the Pac-12, Pac-12, but like also from a national level. Like I think for looking at set, like I read Bill Connolly all the time. I, I and I, I like to see um where the Pac twelve ranks uh for his S P. Um I mean I look at a lot of statistical sites. Um for my news I actually I have a, a Pac twelve list and then I have that as my own column on TweetDeck uh with a bunch of Pac twelve reporters on it um just to get like injury updates and stuff like that. But like a lot of the stats that I'm looking at, it's really just like looking at the numbers on CFB stats or manually computing um some data on my own like maybe like yards per first down plays and stuff like that for reporters i guess since i have the usc background i've always thought that the people at uscfootball.com ryan abraham killier shotgun spratling dan weber others i mean they, they do a great job there um la times it's been kind of actually a rotating door of, of usc beat writers at the la times but the current one is ryan Cartier, and I, I think he does a good job and then just on, I guess, some of the other big names around the – like I think Adam Jude uh, for Washington does a really good job. Uh, Le- Michael Lev, like you were saying, like he was he was on the USCB when I was in school and I was covering it as a student. And he's a great guy and he's a really good reporter too. Uh, the Athletic has a couple guys like uh, Tyson Alger for Oregon, Christian Capel for Washington. You mentioned Utah. Yeah, and I think the key to it is trying to cut through some of the homerism – of some and and you see this more on the fan sites rather than the beat reporters so like rob was talking about like michael lev michael lev is very very aware that arizona sucks at football <laughs> but he's also a very good <laughs> x's and o's film like he'll break down film and like he is really good um i you know one of the things we've had hithliday on here a couple of times and i kind of wanted to give some of the people that we've had on here and maybe just sent like a little bit of a shout out to them but spend a little time on them so um we've had really good not only feedback, but a lot of people listen to the podcast when Hithliday comes on the podcast. The one thing that I've seen on Reddit, and Reddit can be a terrible, terrible place, like full of terrible, terrible people. Uh, the one thing on Reddit that uh, we'll get sometimes is people will talk about, like, oh, Hithliday's on uh, 12 Pack Radio, another Oregon homer. Like, Hithliday was right, like, 
all the time last year, <laughs> like, like way more, like way more than I even anticipated. And um, on this podcast, I remember at the beginning of the year, we were all fairly skeptical of not Oregon in terms of the uh, the the players that were in the program, but in the coaching staff. And Hithlita came on this podcast and talked about like how Oregon was really strong and he was very bullish on them. Um, he called Oregon beating Utah and pointed out in his film study why Utah's defensive line was going to have issues with Oregon. Like there have been multiple times. It's, it's very similar to Max where um, we like I followed Max on Twitter for a while and then we talked with him on the podcast. And not only does Max know what he's talking about, but he's right. <laughs> and so like there are those there are those guests that we have on the pod. We're like, man, that, that person really knows the stuff. And then you look back at the season, you go. And, and, and they really had their finger on the pulse of not only their team, but the rest of the conference. I think Hithliday's like that if you aren't following his film study. And it, it is Oregon-based. And, man, I wish it was bigger than Oregon. But the cool thing is he will – if your team is playing Oregon they're, they're, it, or has played Oregon, there is a film breakdown of your team, your quarterbacks, your offensive line, your defensive line, the strengths and weaknesses of it. Is he perfect? No, nobody's perfect, but he's pretty darn good at it. And I find it very, very helpful when we're looking at previewing teams, what um, what his film study says on it, because it, it really provides another angle. Um, and by the way, the videos he does, like you can watch it at full speed. You can watch it at quarter speed. So like very slow motion breakdowns of your offensive line. And it's that trench play, Rob, where I think it's really hard to break down sometimes because you're focused on the person that got the sack or, you know, the 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 running back that broke through the hole, but you're not focusing on the strengths and weaknesses on the people that made that play happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is. And it's watching sitting and watching offensive line is, is tough. I mean, it's I mean, at least they're, at least you've, if you don't have the all 22, at least the offensive line are usually in the picture, but <laughs> you don't always, you sort of don't always see it. Right. Like, and, um, and, and he really takes the, and you, and you really have to take the time to see, you know, the tendencies and where people are getting beat because with offensive line, like you mean, you're not going to get beat every play, right? Like you have to sit down and, and chart it out, um, you know, to see where people's failings really are um in there you're not you're not always going to see it even just taking a sample you know uh, of the of somebody's plays from a game um max i know you're not outside this podcast of course you're not a huge podcast person um are there any shows related to college football that you listen to and then rob same question if max gives us a quick no oh uh no for, for podcast well actually you know what sometimes well, I, this is more gambling than um, Pac-12, but if I if I can't watch the Daily Wager on e, on ESPN um, on television that day, like I'll, I'll listen to it on, on its on its podcast. And so they, um, I mean, like specifically when they bring on like Stanford Steve and the Bear, and I, I just like to listen to what they have to say for the games that week. What do you think, Rob? I mean, I I am not a huge podcast listener. I I admit it. Um, so I like I I will listen to um, the shutdown podcast from time to time, like when they get into like that that episode that they did from the the coaches convention, right? Like um, I do like to hear some of their like because they're they are reasonably well plugged in around um, like some of that kind of stuff, I guess you could say, like the the more interesting side of college football recruiting. Um, but I don't I, I like I I find like a lot of podcasts are. 
they have their they have their they have their niche and it's not i'm i don't seem to fall into it i guess you could say <laughs> on college but like i like there's nothing where i'm like oh like this i just i find their take like all the takes so interesting that i want to listen to it right like i struggle with that with some of like uh like the solid verbal or things like that like i i struggle with like a national some of the national ones um to really want to like dig into them because it, it's hard to dig in very deep um on the national coverage and then um I like on the on the a lot of the Pac-12 ones they get they are the team ones they're just so focused on the teams themselves right like they you get way further into the weeds than uh I guess I, I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- I think one uh, exception to that would be uh Quack 12 podcast where um Adam and Hifflade go through and interview kind of like we do on this podcast. They'll interview yeah. people and they have a different angle that they look at. So I always, even like, so we'll probably both have Alicia on both of our podcasts. And, and I still like listening to her interview on quack 12 because they're asking her different questions and they're looking at it from a different prism. And that's very helpful. And it's a good prism, right? It's not kind of that. Um, so Oregon's running that chip Kelly offense. So like, no, actually they stopped doing that about five years ago. Like they're, they're not those right. types of people where they're relying on, on old tropes of teams like they really do get into it um on my end there's a couple of podcasts that i like that i at least wanted to highlight uh, you mentioned the solid verbal ryan i think they're the gold standard for um or ryan i'm sorry i'm thinking of uh, ryan nanny at uh, shutdown full gas rob you mentioned uh the solid verbal i still think they're the gold standard for if, if you like a national college football podcast and you want to know what's going on throughout the comp- throughout the, the entire landscape they're about as deep as you're going to get in an hour. <laughs> like they, they do a really good job focusing on it and keeping that program fresh so that it, it's not just over and over. It's kind of the same week. So I like that. Um, you mentioned the shutdown full cast. I like those guys. They can be a little much sometimes for me, um, but they are pretty funny when they're on. Sometimes they'll just kind of, they'll, they'll go on for a while. They'll try something new, which is cool that they're trying stuff new, but, but it does, it does linger sometimes. Um, and I'm really curious with the, with, and Max, I actually want to know your thoughts on this with the basically the change that happened with Vox Media and Banner Society. So you have people like Spencer Hall and um, and, and the guys at Podcast Ain't Play Nobody have all left. And like I love Podcast Ain't Play Nobody. They they dug in really deep on a lot of the dirt in college football. And with that breakdown there, I mean, a lot of those guys just jump ship. I'm, I'm curious, like. What do you, I mean, do you think there's a space for a bunch of really creative people like that to come back and put something together? Or what did you think when you heard the news about those guys um, leaving the, the company? Well, I was I, I'm really bumped just because I mean, it's it's been a really tough time for sports journalism as an industry. I mean, written. I mean, it, it, and it's not just Fox. And I mean, with Spencer Hall and I, there were like so many people that. They were originally furloughed, and then uh, they accepted their buyouts, so now now they're free agents. Um, Hall was like one one of the best writers I, I think who covered any sport. I mean, if you if you haven't read his piece um, Buffalo, like that that is one of my favorite um, written pieces I've ever read on the internet. And I mean, the the Athletic just had um, I, it was like forty something layoffs. Uh, it was I think last Friday or two Fridays ago, um, sports illustrated, uh, it, it, uh, they, have laid off a bunch of people. Um, it's, it's just been, it's, it's a lot of outlets and I'm a little nervous that these jobs aren't coming back just because 
I don't know if we're, if sports writers are going to be able to get that access again, just due to um, COVID-19 scares. Like you don't want strangers coming into the locker room and interacting with your athletes. Like it's probably going to be like, I feel like that um, you're not going to get like the traditional beat writer who gets to attend all the practices and, and, and go to the locker rooms after the game. It's going to, a lot of it's going to be done like virtually like with video calls and with the comp with the money that uh, these media outlets are losing with advertising due to this, it, I, I just don't know if, if those jobs are coming back and that makes me really scared about the industry as a whole. Yeah. Or, or like one of the things that I've seen are folks like, I think it was Andy Katz, right. Got laid off from ESPN and then now works for the NCAA and you know, they're tr- so basically they're trying to work through him to get their spin out to whatever, you know, whatever it is. And he has the relationships and stuff like, you know, I, I like, I like the PAC 12 network. I think some of their stuff is actually pretty good. Um, at the same time, they can't look at a team and dump on them if they're not doing a good job. Like you're always going to hear good things about Chip Kelly from, from the PAC 12. <laughs> so even though you see some, like, you know, I think that's kind of the direction where some people are going to, if they still want to write for sports, maybe they work for the team. Um, that, that kind of strikes me as I'm, I'm curious to see what, if that tends, if that trend continues or if people kind of see through that and um, try to find their alternative sources. I think one of the things that's helpful for me is I listen to a lot of the team podcasts, Rob. So Utah man podcast every year breaks down their entire team unit by unit. Um, You have like the dog pod does the same thing. Um, Addicted to quack does the same thing. Um, Even like, like free balling will go through for their team. Like I just like that because yeah, they're fans of their team, but they're like, for the most part, all those guys are realistic about what they have in front yeah. of them. And you don't get that when like, sometimes you don't get that from the beat, like the beat writers sometimes if they're not fully plugged into the X's and O's of football and some really are, I mean like, so, but I'm, I just think sometimes it's like you get that boilerplate article about football and you're like, ah, I just really wish that you would dig down more. And that's why we like Lev. Cause he, d- he goes above and beyond that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I've, I'd echo Matt. Like, I'm concerned that, you know, like, I'm, I'm a little concerned that what we may end up with is like the further mavenization of sports, right? And um, I mean, the what the internet has sort of enabled is, and, and I get that, like, I mean, I'm fully a person that, uh, you know, like, used to write on a blog, right? Um, and I, it is, I like, I, I, I get the, Um, and I don't want to like, I'm not knocking that, like, but what is, what is hard though, is like the internet has enabled an entire, an entire like culture to grow of where people don't actually report news. They just comment on news that's been reported and the, the comment on news that's been reported sort of, uh, has taken some of the advertising dollars away from the reporting of the news. And I, I'm a little worried of like what happens when there's no news that's been reported, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like what do, what is everyone going to talk about? And if, I mean, what is the conversational, I mean, and like what you talked about, like, I mean, you could almost call it like the, the like, I mean, 
like there's no one there's no one with a sunnier disposition about the pack like every every person team and i mean uh everything about the conference than like yogi roth about the pack 12 <laughs> like well, well yeah. besides the cbs writer who predicted cal would go 11 and 1 oh, that oh that's true. okay that well that's bananas but yes <laughs> but like i mean yogi roth has never had a comment about a qb that wasn't like upbeat and positive and i i feel like i mean that fits for like what your internal network's going to do but I mean, you're like, I mean, there's, I, I am concerned that there's, you know, that like increasingly the networks themselves, because they are part owned by the conference, right? And those games are going to, that are going to be on there. And a lot, a lot of conference basketball, like it's less for the big football games where like the halftime show is not going to like bag on the defensive coordinator or the coach for what's going on because the big games are still nationally. Like some big conference games sometimes on the, like say the pack in the pack 12 may not make national TV on, on a particular night. Um, and you might be left with, the, the you know the conference you know the conference only you know staff in there um, and you may not be getting all that into you might be getting kind of a um a pretty lightweight take on the game because nobody wants to step on anybody's toes um that's that's what's sort of concerning about it right is like is if you if you like if you remove the advertising revenue that supports media that generally generates their independence right beyond that like you have like a sponsorship type approach and like that is something where it's either fully sponsored by like you know whatever the company is that's doing the sponsoring they generally really care what the message is yeah so i i am concerned like and i like i don't always like a lot of what happened like a lot of what went into sometimes like sb nation and banner society and all that got a little too out there for me like where I was like, ah, oh, like this is this is slapstick to the point of where I, you lost me. But generally, I thought they did a really good job, and 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 really were like focused on college football in a way that a lot of other places just weren't anymore. Because like ESPN did that pivot to video and laid off people like Andy Katz. They laid off all of their individual um, conference. You know, they used to have ESPN used to have someone, one or two writers assigned to every conference. And he was good. That was a real, like his PAC 12 report was still the best one that I've read of somebody that aggregated all the conference news. And I forget the name of the other guy that was, neither of them actually work in sports journalism anymore after being laid off. I just, I don't like, I, uh, as we look around, it's going to become more of the sort of, um, the pivot to video hot take, right. You know, and less, less, like less really good, so, like solid coverage. I mean, I, like I was sort of hopeful with the, and I, I guess you could still say I am, like I am sort of hopeful with the athletic that there might be, you know, they might rely on some more on subscription revenues, but you know, a, a place where, you know, you can have good solid writing, you know, the, and have beat writers assigned to every team. Um, you know, most teams in the power five to, to cover that. I, I mean, I, it's like I, I I think you very much need that. I mean, I don't know how we would cover the Pac-12 terribly well if we didn't have, you know, a beat writer assigned to each team from either the athletic or, the, you know, the whatever the big local paper is. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple outside of that. Like, so I think Raina Troy is different where they aren't beat writers. They do, uh, but like they have access to the team which is provided by USC and like they, I mean, I like Alicia already has a full breakdown of all of USC's depth chart with like statistics and everything. Like it's up, it's been up for like a month. And I love that. Like we're, 
she, like she's. I already... mean, but their beat is USC, though. Like they're. Oh well, yeah, yeah, that, that, right? that's like, true. Yeah, like... I, I, I'm more like I guess I'm differentiating them from like an LA Times or the Register or something yeah. where, um, I think that they're, uh, like they're they're breaking. They they are, their news is X's and O's. Their news usually isn't breaking it right. Like somebody lets go of yeah, something, yeah. And, like they're they're one of the first ones to know it's happening, but they're not usually breaking it and that's like for me that's okay because um somebody else from the times in the register which goes to your point rob what if those people aren't there <laughs> like um somebody, somebody's gonna report that something happened um i at least in my mind reina troy is here's here's what this means for the program and the and the information that they're providing is very good and it's well thought out and yeah. it's not homerism but you know who none of us mentioned none of us mentioned any of the recruiting sites I did. Oh, do you, I mean, like rivals or? Oh well, I did with you. Well, with Ryan, like they're they're part of the scout network. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, like a lot, like a lot of those, like I, like, man, if we get like if if we lose out on a lot of like the beat writers and we get left with like a lot of that, like oh, that kind of. Stuff. And I like, <laughs> and I, I think that that comes from what we what we experienced in Tucson. So, um, Sean Miller gets like the you know the entire arizona program gets like just gets lit up by the by the nca and fbi allegations and one of the things that was really frustrating was the the tucson star didn't have the reporters that could really delve into it it was just all it was all like on the surface and everybody focused on the the 247 site which was plugged in with sean miller so the 247 site was basically giving information from the coaching staff but nobody was asking tough questions the whole time and like people still don't like, i mean it was bizarre that like that wildcat radio was one of the few outlets that was going through okay this is what this could mean rather than just hey everything's going to be fine or here is here is a timeline of something that happened it was it was just so weird like there was nothing and be nothing in between that and i'm yeah i'm kind of worried about that with rivals too rob and they're not all bad. I mean, like, I mean, to Max's point, like, I don't want to like bag on, like, throw them all, you know. But, I mean, there are some that are, I mean, get some chuckles around the Pac-12. I mean, because some of them are essentially like just glorified message boards. Um, not that there's anything wrong with message boards. Just you know, participate at your own risk because <laughs> you can go deep down, deep, deep, deep into some rabbit holes and conspiracy theories in on message boards. I found that, like, I don't. I don't really care about recruiting. I think one of the least interesting stories that I see pop up all the time is school X offered a kid from, you know, this place. Like, I just don't care. I care when they commit and what it means for the program and putting that into a nice box of like, this is important. Like Justin Flo, (laughs) Justin Flo will be really important for Oregon. And here is why. Um, And some 24 seven sites do an excellent job of that. And some, I think if you're really into recruiting and that's your thing, then it's totally worth the, like the $5 or $10 a month. If that's like what you are invested in. Um, I I, like, so Max, I, I like Ryan Abraham. I think that they do a good job there. What, like, what would, what jumps out for you on their work and why it's it's one of your kind of go-to like staffs in terms of the product that they put out? Uh, well, they break new like uh, Keeley broke the Kyle Ford news, and they're with USC. I mean, there have ju- there have been reporters that have messed up breaking news reports, um, and so it's kind of hard to trust people on that beat to break big news. 
But just with Ryan and Keeley and Shotgun and that whole team's reputation and how that, that they've broken news, and I can't recall any time they've really um, missed on, on a scoop, they, they have that trustworthy factor, and then they also provide good analysis. They're there every practice. Like I, I think Brain of Troy also for analysis with Alicia and Michael Castillo, I think that they're excellent. I always read uh, their their preview work for games just to get me prepared. Um, so I would say the Raina Troy, USC football, and LA Times uh, with Ryan and or whoever the USC beat reporter was in the past, um, whether it was like a Zach Helfand or Brady McCullough or even the um, Gary Klein days when I was in school. Um, I would say that those would probably be the, the three publications I would trust the most. But also, I mean, we're, we're talking about future journalism. I mean, USC's athletic department likes, to, and especially with the hiring of the video team, like they're, uh, I, I think that um, the future or a, a, a big future for these, um, for kids that are studying sports journalism is ending up working for teams and, and writing like I guess what um, I, I forgot who was saying it, but working for like Pac-12 now, I guess it was Rob working for like Pac-12 network, but working for these teams and not being able to be critical, but you still get that access and yeah. you still are able to produce that content. Yeah. It, it's interesting. As, and you might've run into this Rob too. It's like, I was going through our previews last year, um, like previewing each team it was funny. There were some schools where um, I clicked on it and like, you know, sometimes it'll say like stanfordcardinal.com and I just assume it's a fan site. I'm like, wow, this preview is really good. And it goes into all the players. And then I realized like, oh my gosh, like the SID for Stanford wrote their preview. <laughs> and it's the first one out there. And that's actually really smart. If you're that team, like, right, you're the first one to, you're the first one to market, you get to put your stamp on it. Um, and that's all great. I do think, but like you mentioned, Max, you, you can't be critical though. Cause like, I think I realized that it was from, from Stanford when, you know, it was talking about some player that I'm like, well, I've never freaking heard of this guy. And then I look at another site and I'm like, Oh, Oh, I get it. Okay. I see what we're doing here, but it was, it was still helpful. Nonetheless. Um, I'm trying to think of any other resources that we use. Like uh, Max, so you mentioned CFP stats um, or college football stats. Right. Yes. Yeah. stats. Yeah. That site is awesome. I use that all of the time. It's not advanced stats. And with Bill Connolly's S&P behind the, by the paywall, um, obviously, like Rob and we, we talk about sharp college football all the time that like I use sharp college footballs for advanced stats. But sometimes they just kind of want to see um, what a what an individual player did on defense and what their stats were. I go to there all of the time. Like that is the go to site for you know, like, uh, what is J2 Fele's tackle for a loss? And what is his, that stuff? They have all of that stuff out there and it's really good and it's free. I don't know why they make it free, but that's definitely another. Because uh, I, that's where I buy my data from. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, like they, they put out that stuff for free, but they also sitting behind that have like all the drive and play, play level data, um, that you can purchase from them. Rob, is there like, is there anybody else that you read for like scheme or, I mean, like we liked Max Brown, um, another, another good yeah. example, right? We, I was hoping Max would get hired by like CBS or Fox to do full breakdowns. His videos were great. He got hired by USC to, to report on USC. I'm like, dang it. Like, and I was so excited that he got the job. Like 
please. That, that, yeah. that is the most important thing, right? Has a living. He's in media. It's his foot in the door. I was just hoping that he was in a place where he could be critical of teams because he did that in a way that was helpful and not like mean spirited. And I really liked that about him. Um, but still, I'm really glad that he's in media. But who, who are some of the other people that you're looking at for scheme or big picture stuff? So, I mean, scheme stuff, uh, Ian Boyd is pretty good. Um, he, he, he has sort of gone to mostly covering Big 12, um, but if you, like he still does, I think, really good schematic breakdowns. And some of the more interesting schemes right now, both offensively and defensively, are being run in the Big 12. So I would um, – he's like – you get way more, way more in-depth Big 12 information, and you, you end up with like a lot of Big 12 arguments. Um, following him but he's a he's a good follow uh for schematic stuff um i follow all 22 film breakdown um who i think does a really good job um and often has um like interesting conversations with coaches um i uh around like uh i think i think it, there's a there's a guy pick six previews um I think he does a good job in previewing you know putting together really good information on the rosters and depth charts and it's a re- it's I think it's a it's far more reasonably priced um, and I think better than um, what's that other preview that everyone buys that actually I don't think is very good oh, at all. Phil Steele. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm out Phil on Steele. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it's better. I mean, I would check it out. Like, and you can just get a you just get a PDF. Like, you don't get an actual book on it. And then I mean, there's like I mean, college football advanced stats. I mean, like the, I mean, of course, like the big ones are like the um, the FEI and then um, you know S and P. But um, I, I mean, the folks that I there are other like interesting folks. Like uh, there's a guy Stats of War um, Parker who often puts he puts out quite a bit. I mean, he's he's in graduate school for his PhD in econ. I don't know how. I mean, he, he I know he's beyond the first and second year where they try to weed you out with all the math. Um, so he seems to have enough free time on his hands to post, or <laughs> post interesting like college football or. stats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so he's usually he's usually taking through some interesting runs at the data. There is a guy that scrapes the ESPN site. Um, CFB. So if you want to work with college football data and you don't want to pay for the product, there's a guy CFBdata.com who has an API set up that he scrapes all the play data from ESPN site um, that they publish out. And I mean, and there's some interesting like places you could maybe get started with it. I code in Python, so I don't I, I, like I don't ever dive into. I also built Beta Rank from the ground up, so I don't use a like from I don't, I don't use a lot of the canned metrics that other folks use. Uh, let's put it that way. So then, um, but there, like there, there is like, if you wanted to start learning in like R or something like that, there are some folks like that have put together like college football scrap R, um, which will allow you to sort of like do some sorting of the data on your own. Um, and then that, that see if like that college football stats does have, or that college football data does like, it's an API that you can hit to get the data and, and bring it down. Um, Hippoday said he had done it. There was some, question on the play level data on whether it was accurately labeled a run or a pass in there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I I mean, like there are some interesting, like, I mean, there are a lot of interesting folks that are doing sort of like uh, in the advanced stats world that I've, uh, that I've connected with in the last two years. (laughs) Um, But they're, they're not doing like, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know that the, you might say that it's sort of saturated. I mean, there are only, there are a bunch of models out there 
right now, right? Like a lot of people are doing sort of more interesting, like, you know, one-off looks at like a particular like thing or something like that. And, and those people have time for that. So let, let's leave it here. If, if you're listening still, thank you. Um, let us know if there's somebody that we should be following or somebody that you like that, that you think pumps out good stuff. We just were really trying to um, put a spotlight on some of our, our friends that cover the conference. It's kind of fun. I, I think that there's some really good alternative, different voices um, in the Pac-12 that are not just covering their teams, but also have a good eye for what's going on in the Pac-12. So um, we'll keep going. So next week we will either bring on a guest or we're going to go into defensive lines. We've previewed every team's offense, and now we're going into the defense. Um, I'm sorry, we're, we're doing front seven. So we're going to do the, the linebackers and the line um, all together in a big package and uh, looking forward to covering that and as we keep going through whether or not there's going to be a season we will be prepared either way uh, whether we play in January or we play in August we will know uh, who have the good programs and, and where we're going from there so thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next week